Welcome to You Are the Light of Your City with Mark Harris, brought to you by 4Tucson. Join us as we have conversations with people who are living in their created purpose and making a difference in their communities and city. Thank you for joining us today. Well, good morning, regardless of where you're at. <laughs> this is uh, Fort Tucson's uh, podcast. My name is Mark Harris. I'm the CEO of uh, Fort Tucson. And I have the honor and pleasure of being with uh, Eric Noss and uh, Eric's a preaching pastor at Christ Community Church. And really what we're trying to do with our podcast is um, tell stories of how people um, heard God call them, how they discovered their purpose, how to actually uh, act on that purpose, and then what actually happened in the adventure. And I can promise you it's an adventure when you say yes to God. Just tell us a little bit about you and your family, your church, and... Uh... Thanks, Mark, for the chance to be here, and thanks for what Fort Tucson does for our city. It really is a blessing, and as a leader in the church, watching how this organization really does make a powerful impact, it's it's a blessing, so okay. thanks for that. I'm preaching pastor at Christ Community Church, um, a church on the east side here with a long legacy of, uh, you know, great positioning here in the city and it's uh it's it's really a joy to serve there as one of our pastors we have you know a pretty deep pastoral staff so i have the privilege of uh working alongside of a lot of other uh, great people and uh so i'm a, a father of five kids my wife abby and i uh five kids between the ages of 15 and eight three girls two boys so uh, we have a blast uh getting to invest in them and raising a big family and all the joys uh, of that. I've actually lived in Tucson, I guess, for about five years now, um, you and I've been before that. Before that, uh, I was uh, born. I'm born in Arizona. I grew up in Prescott, Arizona, in God's providence. I ended up going to uh, school in the Midwest, in the Chicagoland area. Okay. Spent some time there. I lived in D.C. for a short period of time, working uh, on Capitol Hill in a lower staff level position. Um, and then God brought me back to, to Phoenix for a while, met my wife, Abby, who, who is from Chicago, and moved back into the Chicagoland area where I spent several years, I think it was about 12 or 13 years, uh, living, working in Chicago. Abby and I got married, started our family there, and I worked at a place called the Moody Church, which does not mean that they're a depressed church, but it's actually named after a <laughs> an evangelist by the name of Dwight L. Moody, who is a pretty famous guy for reaching people uh, in the city of Chicago, and especially for reaching kids, developing a Sunday school, classic Sunday school type program. Anyhow, he established a number of things, a college, um, a church, he founded a church, the Moody Church, and that's where I worked for several years as a pastor to college age young adults at the wow. church. Uh, my wife was, was on staff there as well. Eventually, after several years of kind of cutting my teeth in pastoral ministry, we sense God calling us here to Tucson to jump on board with Christ Community Church, and that's been uh, really a blessing. Bit of a culture shock to move from the Midwest and Chicago and, you know, cold winters to uh, the desert scape of Tucson. This is an amazing place and gotten to interact with a lot of great people here. So That's great. Well, we're glad you're in Tucson. Thank you. So one of the things we're trying to do is teach people that uh, God has a purpose for all of us. You know, Ephesians 2, uh, 9 and 10, that we were created for a purpose. Even before we were uh, thought in our parents' eyes, we were, uh, God had a plan. Mm -hmm. With that context, tell me how you have seen God help formulate your 
purpose? How have you discovered that? Tell me a little bit about that journey. I would say that God's really hardwired me and gifted me to to be a Bible teacher and preacher uh, and, and also to serve more broadly as a pastor in the local church context. And being a pastor, I would say that preaching, teaching, ministry is is most direct it's kind of the the the, the tip of the spear as it were of, of what i believe god's called me to do my journey with it actually yeah had some ups and downs to it i mean i've you know uh as a as a kid growing up i had the privilege of growing up in a christian home where my parents brought us to good churches and i i have early memories especially in high school of some great pastors in my life who who preached the Bible in such a way that it brought it to life. And I just remember being really intrigued by kind of the craft of sermons. And there were points where I, I thought about maybe a ministry type career. I really wasn't sure. And I dabbled in, in lots of different ideas as to what God might be calling me to do um, in a more specific way. My dad's a home builder. He's retired now, but he built um, custom homes in Prescott. And so I spent a lot of hours on work sites, you know, swinging a hammer and that kind of thing. And so I, you know, thought through whether maybe I should go into business with, with him eventually, or maybe God had sort of um, created me to do something else. And so what, uh, uh, what process did you use to try to find your way to differentiate between business or working in DC or yeah. Uh, in ministry, what kind of a process did you use? One is that I think education helped um, both in high school as well as in my undergrad uh, experience, testing the waters with different fields of interest. I changed my major so many times I drove my parents crazy uh, as they were helping me with my college tuition. But I think that was an important way of exploring a sense of calling um, to learn under uh, professionals in different areas and try to sense whether that's something that uh, brings my heart to life, something I'd be interested and good at. Really, for me, it wasn't until after my, I, I got an undergraduate degree in uh, international relations, actually. Um, it wasn't until after my undergrad, I, you know, just got to work in the, the real world. I got to do a number of odd jobs. At this point, it was in Chicago. And alongside of that, working in the church context, um, just uh, just getting busy, doing things, trying things. Um, I can remember along the way just having opportunities to maybe lead a Bible study or to be involved assistant teaching with a class. Whenever I had those experiences, I found that it really brought, brought me alive to be able to teach and explain the Bible to someone, to see the, the lights turn on for them, to watch the dots connect. Along the way, I would say for me in discovering that calling, it was about getting to work. Um, trying things, investing, um, working with people. I experienced on the one hand a deep sense of, of joy whenever I had the chance to, to teach or be involved in more personal disciple making type activities. Also, I was experiencing people's affirmation. They're saying, hey, we were really blessed by this. The, the way that you're handling uh, the Bible is, is meaningful to us. Yeah. So there was an internal sense of joy in, in this kind of thing as well as an outward affirmation. All that culminated actually in going to seminary, which for me was another testing point to say, mm -hmm. does God want to lead me this direction? He made that really clear through some things, uh, some, some scholarships that came my way and just some providential things that opened up some doors. And uh, I was able to pursue an education at Trinity Divinity School, which is outside of Chicago. And an internship opened up 
at Moody Church that I was able to step into, beginning to work with college students. So again, that theme of doing the work and over time watching whether it was bringing me internal joy, but is it also being affirmed by those outside of me? So in uh, Fort Tucson, when we talk to people about purpose, we, we call that fruitfulness and fulfillment. Yeah, yeah, and so absolutely. Fulfillment inside, you call it joy, same, but you feel the fulfillment and then fruitful. Do people uh, affirm you? Do the people say, hey, that you're making a difference yeah. in your life? And so when we help people try to figure out their purpose, one of the litmus tests we use is, are you fulfilled and are you fruitful? As two of the key indicators of that this might be where God's leading you. Yeah, and I think that I think that paradigm applies in whatever field you may be talking about. And maybe not even just some sort of professional field, but it can be another calling like being a stay-at-home mom, for instance. But um, to, to have both that inward sense of growing joy in a line of work as well as that outward information of its fruitfulness i think that's a really a really powerful way of looking at it and if you only have one or the other uh you can feel off balance you might be really good at something but it just it just does yeah it doesn't ring your bell um or maybe you see this more often someone might really enjoy something but it's just not having an effect um you know uh, we've all seen American Idol where the person stands up and they're 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 singing their heart out. <laughs> they think they're going to make a career out of this. And then Simon Cowell says, uh, no, this isn't going to work for you. So I think having both of those and I think that can be an ongoing conversation with your own soul and with trusted people in your life who are saying we see so this. When you look back and to where you are now, but you look back, uh, would you say that discovering your purpose, your calling, is steps, a process, or was there one uh, aha moment that you had to go, this is, this is it? For me, it was mostly a process um, with steps along the way. Uh, I remember the first time that I had a chance in, at Moody Church in our early day, days there, my early days there, I wasn't a seminary student yet. I was just volunteering and so forth. But one of the subgroups of the church, about 100 young professionals, the pastor over that group asked if I could fill in teach, called me, said, I'm not able to be there. Really need somebody to sub in for me. Would you do it? I'd never taught to a group that size. I told my wife, Abby, Pastor Steve asked me to fill in for him. She said, you told him no, didn't you? <laughs> I said, no. I said, yes. And then thought about it later. So I'm terrified, but I'm going to go for it. And I, and then I did and it, and it went well to God be the glory. But I, I share that story to say that process of confirming one's calling. Sometimes it can have those scary moments where you say yes to an opportunity, even before you really think it through. Exactly right. So one of the things I uh, share with people is uh, sometimes somebody else can observe and and say, like Pastor Steve with you, and say, I think this guy can do mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. Even though you may not think you can. And so we will ask people to serve in Fort Tucson in various roles. Excellent. And people might say, I don't know about that. I think I'll pray about it. And my comment back is, why don't you say yes, and then pray yourself out of it. I love it. And uh, <laughs> so you really won't know if this is what God's wanting you to do until you say yes. Yeah. And then God provides for you. God shows up and God does things in your life. But he doesn't do that sitting on the sideline mm -hmm. where you say, mm -hmm. no, God, uh, I'm not ready for that. Uh, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point. 
So my experience is so many Christians, uh, God has great plans, but uh, for fear or for uh, lack of confidence or somebody's told them that they can't uh, mm. do such and such, they believe that and um, they're afraid to try. And so what we want to do in Fort Tucson is provide a safe place for people to experiment, just like you're, try this, try this, try this, try this, until yeah. you find out this is what makes my life my, uh, happy. This is what makes my heart sing. Yeah, and absolutely. people affirm that. And uh, when we find that match, then uh, we try to equip everybody and cut them loose and let them go. Yeah, the experiences are so important. And then you mentioned mentors uh, several times in what you just said. I, I think of those people in my life who not only gave me the experiential opportunities, but they were willing to coach. They were willing to give that feedback. They were a strategic advocate at just the right moment that God used to say, keep moving forward in this way. Or sometimes don't move that way, but maybe you want, might want to think about this. I know I'm, I'm, I'm sure Fort Tucson has those kind of voices speaking into people that are part of the larger organization, helping them along the way. I don't think you can have enough of those. Yeah. Um, being here long as you have in Tucson, you realize we have a fairly significant uh, population of, I would say, fairly accomplished senior citizens, people mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. retired uh, from all kinds of different occupations. One of the phenomenon that happens, it seems, is that uh, when people retire, uh, they seem to check out of mentoring or discipling the up and coming. So when you yeah. talked about your your process, somebody along the line kept mentoring and discipling you and encouraging yeah, that's you, right. right? that's right. And uh, so in our culture, when people retire, they seem to think that they retire from doing what God's called them to do. The only time I see retirement in the Bible is when God told the, the uh, priests of the temple that they could retire at 50 years old <laughs> and uh, they couldn't serve after that. Younger people had to serve. But the rest of the time, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says we retire from serving God. Yeah, right. And so right. Uh, Moses was 80 when he got started and um, Abraham was 100 when he got, well, he had a process, but yeah. when we start seeing all the uh, Israel being birthed out. What would you say to people that um, maybe have been successful in their life and they come to a place where they have more time? How do they still use their purpose to uh, influence and impact uh, those who come behind them? Oh, you bet. I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. And I actually think I have a unique context in which to think about this because Christ Community Church is truly multi-generational. And I've been wonderfully privileged and blessed to watch some of our seniors investing in younger generations, that typically looks like just a friendly relationship. Um, it means making that connection point and inviting a young person perhaps into your life at some level. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you think about it, you can't get wisdom except by journeying through life over time with God. That's the only way to get wisdom. So the only people that really have the most wisdom are those who have gone through a fair degree of life. And so where are those of us in the earlier stages of life going to get that wisdom? It's going to come from those who've accumulated it. And what a blessing when you can get wisdom through someone's words shared with you rather than necessarily having to go through that very yeah. same thing that it took for them to get the wisdom. To make all the mistakes on that's right. That's right. So, so uh, I, I think, you know, if you find yourself at a place in your life and career where uh, perhaps you're in that retirement season or you're, uh, you know, a gear shift with regard to your vocation, it's a great time to start asking questions. Who could I invest in in the next generation? And I guarantee you those uh, of younger generations 
welcome that kind of mentoring. They sometimes don't know how to ask for it. Sometimes the mentor has to take those initial steps to invite someone into a relationship. That's what I've found. Young people are desperate for it. They're desperate for that investment. They don't always know how to ask for it. Hats off to those uh, who, who just say, I'm gonna make this an intentional uh, aim of my life to find those that I can invest in um, and pass on a lot of that wisdom that I have. So uh, in your journey, uh, your process here, what are um, a couple of really big things that you've learned that you would say uh, really changed how you viewed life, how you viewed God, how you viewed what God made out of you, hmm. uh, made you into? What would you say are a couple of big life lessons so far? God really, he's so creative in how he has made each of us that uh, you know it is it can be helpful and important to look for that inward sense of calling coupled with an outward sense of affirmation just keep at it and discovering what uh, perhaps God has intended for you to do you mentioned the Ephesians passage where we're told that uh, for his people he's designed good works for us to do before the foundation of the world he already had these works in mind so that can be a discovery process I think realizing that um, has uh, really freed me up to to be able to pursue that. Other life lessons, I would say, you know, I've found in my life, I guess the words of Jesus make so much sense in that when you lay down your life, you really find it. And so I think um, a lot of our discussions so far, it might accidentally come off as though it's just about self-actualization or something like that. What it's really about is serving others. And I found the more that I can give my life away to, uh, in the interest of serving others, whether that's my family, my kids, my wife, uh, my church family, those that I work alongside of, the more that I can actively um, uh, serve and be others-centered and outward-focused in whatever I'm doing, the more fulfilling it turns out it will actually be. Because in that, at, right at that yeah, point, we're imitating Jesus yeah. and all he did for us. We live in a generation that's very... Uh much in pursuit of self-fulfillment. Right. One of the things that is uh, interesting about life, the way God designed it, is you get self-fulfillment by giving yourself away. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. And it's totally counterintuitive in what what we might think. Absolutely. A minute ago, you mentioned that uh, in your journey, there's been uh, ups and downs, I think, is the mm -hmm. term you used. Share with us a season where it wasn't all that great uh, that you really struggled through and how God showed himself faithful to you through that and how you came through that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, sometimes when you have a little bit more of a public role, like I have as a pastor or public teacher, um, you know, it can be, there can be times where you feel a little bit of a pressure to sort of project strength. Um, but I've, I've certainly been through my fair share of uh, deep emotional uh, pain um, along the way. God has used that in my life, I think, to give me more empathy for those who are going through emotional pain of various sorts. And so I would say, that, you know, there's been points along the way where it can be very easy to be discouraged, but you feel like you kind of have to hold it together with that public face, as it were. How God has provided for me in that is he's just sent people to encourage me just when I needed it. People that I could always lay my cards down with who would be, uh, let me take my pastor hat off and just be a brother in Christ or just a friend. God has supplied that for me along the way and brought those encouraging voices in the mix along the way. Beyond that, you know, it's it's uh, ministry, as, as everyone would say, it's a wonderful privilege. You also get to carry a lot of burdens because 
you know, people confide in their pastors about different things going on in their life. You sort of absorb some of that from them in, in an appropriate way to help carry burdens. But uh, but even in all of that, I've, I've, I've really been blessed to be a part of churches where there's a team effort, lots of people involved with it. So I've never really felt like I had to be alone in that, but always a part of, of, a, of a team and learning lessons of what it means to lean on other leaders in carrying those burdens. So what are some uh, spiritual disciplines that you've developed over time that's uh, yeah, yeah. kept you fresh, you know, um, kept you on target. Here's God's purpose. Here's God's call. What do you do to discipline yourself to fulfill that? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I think, I think one, and um, this is going to sort of sound uh, maybe like a standard answer, but it's really been true for me. Uh, finding time for me in the morning of uh, just daily time with God um, in, in reading the Bible and in prayer, you know, hot cup of coffee and my got my go-to spot and, and, and spend some time there. Another thing I would say, um, I think that this would count as a, a spiritual discipline, and that is family vacation. You know, mm -hmm. taking some time to get away with uh, my wife and kids, sometimes just me and my wife, but to take uh, time away. We like to travel, we like to try uh, different places. That's kind of a big picture item that's been really important for me to recharge and refresh. But in a s smaller way, we really, really enjoy getting outdoors. I like to do a lot of hiking. That's a fun thing about Tucson. If you can avoid the cactus, there's some great views. Um, Mount Lemmon is a great place to go when it's not on fire. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we really have made an active hobby of um, hiking the trails, uh, experiencing God's presence in that way, um, getting that exercise uh, through it. And then I think just the kind of the normal rhythms also, uh, I would still call it a spiritual discipline of trying to pursue healthy friendships, <clears throat> trying to pursue rhythms of, of exercise and rest um, are, are all really important things that have been um, rejuvenating and recharging for me. Other than hiking and being with family, do you have any personal hobbies or things that uh, you kind of get yourself lost in that you can unplug yeah. and, and do or how's that work? I'm a big reader, so I'm always, if I can, you know, as a as a father of five, there's not as much margin to uh, steal away and read as I'd like. Um, just all kinds of different books and different genres um, are interesting to me and really rejuvenating. I like to be involved outdoors with our, um, our, our landscape. I wouldn't, my wife is more the gardener. I'm kind of the, believe it or not, we have a green lawn here in Tucson, so our water bill is through the roof, but we really enjoy all that outdoor um, trimming, trimming our trees and just keeping our, our outdoor space looking really beautiful and fresh. So sometimes when I'm too much in my head as a pastor, I like to just get my hands dirty in the soil, as it were. And that's actually kind of become somewhat of a hobby for me. If you had uh, one piece of advice that you could give to somebody who's really genuinely wanting to fulfill the purpose that God created for them, um, what would it be? First thing I would say is pursue God, you know, full stop. Find a, a trusted pastor uh, or, 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 or Christian friend that you know that can help you learn what it means to pursue God as revealed uh, in the scriptures and through Christ. As you pursue God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, um, I think what you'll discover is that he's created you with a unique purpose. So pursue God and then go on a journey of, of asking God the, just the, the simple question of what's my unique contribution that you've made me for? Um, ask that question and then start putting into play some of the things we've been talking about. Trying some things, getting active, getting out there, right? Exploring it, listening to trusted mentors, listening to your own heart, what's most fulfilling for you, looking for that outward fruit. 
So pursue God, that's number one. But then uh, underneath that umbrella, then then begin to ask the question, what's he made me for? That's great advice uh, to anybody, I think, that's on, yeah. uh, on the hunt to be what God wants them to be. Thank you. Uh, we've uh, enjoyed uh, our time together. Thank you. Eric. It's been a pleasure. Um, I'd like to be able to see you even more and, and uh, be able to build a relationship and find out what God all's, God's got all in mind for you. So uh, thank you, and God bless all of you. Thank you for listening to the You Are the Light of Your City podcast. At 4Tucson, we address systemic problems that hurt people by empowering Christians to live out their God-given purpose. For more information, including opportunities to discover and live out your created purpose, please visit our website, www.4Tucson.com. While you are there, please consider subscribing to our twice-monthly newsletter to stay up-to-date with what is happening and how you can get involved. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 4Tucson. The music for this podcast is provided by City Psalms, a local organization that creates Jesus-centered music and art for Tucson. You can learn more at www.citysalms.com. Thank you for listening.